Welcome back to the Lady Heather Show, where I talk about my life so you can forget about yours. Happy Father's Day um, to the three men who listen to this podcast. Um, it, I hope all of you guys have had an amazing Father's Day. I know it can be tough for some of us, you know, or for some of you, if you've lost your dads or don't have relationships with your dads, but um, it's been a beautiful, beautiful day. I would say so far, it's already 8.30. My day is literally over. Um, Okay, so I'm day 10 post-op. And so I woke up, I woke up at like 5.30 in the morning feeling um, a lot of pain because I didn't take any medication throughout the night. Um, So I took... um, Uh, a pain pill and um, an Advil and then just kind of waited until 7.30 and went out and started kind of picking up the house. And then my my in-laws are staying with us this weekend and my father-in-law came out and he and I sat on the porch um, and just talked. And I love talking to him. I love asking him questions. I love getting to know him like deeply getting to know him as a human being you know I will say that my mom died when I was 23 and I didn't really have please excuse Roman barking in the background everybody's going on a Polaris ride and he feels so left out whenever they leave him so I apologize for that and any other stupid background noises that you hear um but One thing that I regret with my mom dying when I was so young is that I didn't have an opportunity to get to know her as a human being. You know, I think at some point in, hopefully, at some point in every kid's life, they start to see their parents not just as their providers, their caretakers, their lovers, these people who should be doing things a certain way and taking care of you a certain way, but you see them as just actual people, just like you and me. And I, by nature, I am such a curious person and I'm an Enneagram Thor and I want to know everything about everyone and how they think and how they feel and, um, I love sitting down with Mark, my father-in-law, and he's always super open with me. And so we just had amazing conversations talking about his childhood and um, uh, like his relationship with his dad and his relationship with his mom. And it was amazing. I talked about, you know, I'm unfortunately, I'm not very close with my dad. I'm going to kill Roman. I'd apologize, but this is, you already know, this is the most unprofessional podcast you could ever listen to. There's no editing, there's no microphone, and I cough, I sneeze, my cat sneezes, my dog barks, so we're just going to go with the flow. Um, But I don't have a close relationship with my dad. My parents divorced when I was three, and uh, we... I grew up in Texas in Sugarland, and um, my dad ended up moving to Louisiana 
and I would see him probably two or three times a year and he loved loves uh well my sister's passed away but he loved us very 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 much and still I know loves me very very much but we don't he's older he's gonna be 78 I'm 38 for reference and he's just different you know like I can't talk to him about feelings I know he loves me but every time I say I love you he's like all right you know um but I know he loves me but when we talk on the phone which is very rarely it's about the weather kind of update him about stuff that's going on with the kids but I'm never gonna have that that relationship where I can sit down and ask him about his childhood and um what I need oh gosh I need to get together with my mom's stepmom um because she essentially raised my mom from her teenage years on and I want to get to know how my mom was and why she became the way that she was the black sheep of the family if you will um but it's just really cool it was just such a beautiful morning the weather was amazing um, we had a couple cups of coffee and then Teddy joined us outside and then Steven's mom woke up and um, I started asking her, she lost her father a couple of years ago and I know that it's, no matter how long ago you lose a parent, it's still really difficult. So it upset her and made her cry a little bit, which I did not mean to do, but I just wanted to hear like, great memories about Elton her dad and um she eventually smiled and you know we had a great conversation but it was just like such a beautiful morning and then that like zapped my energy once the sun Stephen slept in until like 10 and by that time I'm like okay I don't have much left in me I came back in to lay down I took some Benadryl and some Tylenol and passed out for a few hours and then called my dad and wished him happy father's day and I I have not seen him in a few years he says he's never met Teddy but I swear I know I visited him I visited him once by myself I drove with me and Stella and I was pregnant with Teddy but I think there was a time that I did bring Teddy to meet him but either way if he doesn't remember meeting her then essentially that is his truth and I want him to be able to meet her he's not in good health and so every time it's like every time I I try to go see him at the last minute he'll be like oh um you know the weather's going to be bad I don't want you driving out here or the oh I have a doctor's appointment so y'all come another time and so when I talked to him today I just said you know I'm we're gonna come no matter what you can't you know there can't be any excuses there's no way he can drive to me it's been years since he's been able to drive and come visit me so I need to make that happen um not even so much for me but I want my girls to meet like to have a a, an actual memory of him because obviously they never met my mom they never met my sister so I want them to have a memory of Grandpa Bob.
at least. So that is, that is the goal. Um, but it's been a good day. Um, and I guess now we need to kind of pick up where we left off yesterday with waking up from surgery. And of course, I will jump around because I have no notes in front of me because I'm unprofessional and this is just how I do things. I do realize I listened back to that podcast and I said fuck probably 97 times. So if I offended you, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. I am sorry I offended you, but I, I express myself the way that I express myself. But I'm going to try to um, use, you know, dig a little deeper and use better words than fuck this time. But, okay, so where we left off, I wake up from surgery. Okay, it's 9 p.m. And of course, I'm really out of it. And I do wake up in a lot of pain. And the doctor tells me that what was supposed to be an eight-hour surgery ended up being a 12-hour surgery because, so remember, he was taking, um, he took my implants out and did a capsulectomy, so got, like, dug everything out, dug the internal mesh bra that I had in, dug everything out, and then did a tummy tuck and used the tissue from the tummy tuck to rebuild my breasts. And unfortunately, with the prior liposuction and skin tightening that I had on my stomach, it damaged some of the blood vessels or I'm probably not explaining this right, but unless you're a doctor or much smarter than me, you're probably not going to, who cares anyway? It, it was very difficult. And so he had to rebuild arteries in the tissue to connect everything from the stomach tissue to my breasts and it took I think two hours on or you know a couple hours on one side and then it, it maybe an hour on one side and then three hours on the other side to build those other arteries and but he said you know the blood flow was going well and everything was going to be okay and so you know I said okay and I knew that I had to go home in the morning which scared me because I was in so much pain and thinking about having to get into a wheelchair to get into a car to get to the recovery house was very overwhelming to think about because in my mind, if I had the surgery at 7.30 in the morning, 7.30, okay, we would have ended at 3.30 p.m., which means I would have had a full afternoon and then, you know, be leaving around 7.30 in the morning. So I would have had lots of pumped-in pain meds and, I don't know, just more time there. But now it felt like, bitch, you're, you're fixing to go. So um, I was able to sleep on and off. I would say one of the most annoying things is they kept the um, the blood pressure pump on my arm and that thing, it would go off, I think, probably every half hour and it squeezed, it left bruises on my arms. It squeezed my arms so tight every time and so I that would wake me up every time. 
So I'm kind of resting in and out of sleep. And then all of a sudden, I hear Dr. Boutros, his voice, by the way, again, listening back to the podcast, I realized I spelled his name completely wrong. Um, okay, let's, let's see if I can get this right. B-O-U-R-T-O-S, just like it sounds, Boutros. It sounds Cajun, but it's Egyptian. Um, anyway, so I hear his voice again, and um, I'm kind of confused, and he's like, hey, Heather, he's like, it's the middle of the night. He's like, but I, I couldn't sleep unless I knew that, that everything was okay with you. And so he left on each side, on each breast, he left um, kind of a wide opening where uh, a, a couple stitches would go. And so he could stick a Doppler in there to listen to the blood flow from the, ar- the new arteries that he had to build to connect everything. And I don't know, I'm sure a lot of you have kids, but you know that moment when you're going in for your like, eight or nine week your first doctor's appointment and you're just sitting there with your eyes shut as they have the Doppler inside of you and you are just waiting to see the baby's heartbeat on the screen or you know each time you go further and they're doing you know the ultrasound you're just waiting to hear that heartbeat and that's exactly what it felt like because I had no idea what the other what the alternative was like what's worst case scenario if the artery failed and blood flow wasn't able to 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 get there so it hurt just a little bit as he was kind of digging around in there and so I'm I'm laying there like fingers crossed praying like please 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 and I heard the beautiful sound of the blood rushing through he's like excellent he did the other side and that took a little bit longer and I interrupted him and I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, what happens? You just have to take this tissue out and I have tiny boobs. He said, yeah. He said, but hold on. So we kept listening and then thank God we heard the blood again. And I'm like, I'm just, I just need to wrap my mind around worst case scenario. It's not like my skin's going to turn black and fall off and I'll be disfigured you know and he's like no but I don't want your boobs to be smaller he's like they look fantastic um he's like have you looked I'm like no and so he took a picture of them I'm like oh damn those do look good because what's interesting with this surgery is that most of the time when you get a breast lift or breast augmentation you have to wear a tight fitted bra after to kind of compress everything this is the exact opposite i am not allowed to wear any compression on my breast for the next six weeks but i believe i've already told you this but i never want to wear a bra ever again the way that i think my boobs are going to turn out are going to be they're going to be a handful you know not a big handful but a handful but there's not going to be much hanging down. They're just going to kind of sit there as like sporty, perfect, soft boobs. And maybe I'm making this too great in my mind, but I think that's how it's going to be. I naturally don't have really big nipples. They're small and they stay pretty flat. They're not inverted, but they stay pretty flat. So, and even if you have big nipples, who cares? Because everybody has nipples. And it's just such a free place that we live in now in the hill country that, yeah, I just, I never want to wear a bra again. 
Um, and so I felt terrible. I'm like, have you slept tonight? He's like, well, not much. And I said, what time do you have to be back? And he's like, he looked at his watch. He's like, well, I have to wake up in two hours because he swims a mile every morning before he comes in for his surgeries. And so he went back home and I did talk to him later, um, later in the morning. And uh, he slept a couple hours, swam, and then came in and crushed it another day just like the amazing human being that he is. And there's something I forgot to tell you before we went into surgery, you know, whenever he's kind of marking, marking me up for surgery, it's, it's funny because, you know, I have a a line tattoo, just a straight line that goes directly under my chin all the way down. And it reached maybe before it reached two or three inches above my belly button. I stopped the line from where I didn't like my stomach anymore. So I had the tattoo artist stop there, but usually they have to draw that symmetrical line. So he didn't have to do that. So that was kind of funny. Um, what else was I going to, oh, okay. So he did all the markings on me and then, um, he's like, can I pray, pray for us? And I said, absolutely. So he prayed over us and the surgery. And then he gave me a big hug and, then he's like, okay, I'll see you in the operating room in a few minutes. And again, I cannot express enough how impressed I am with who he is as a person. There's something, there's, there is a gift that I was given at birth. Um, I, if you've ever seen the movie Encanto, Encanto, however a white person is supposed to say it, um, I, I had never watched that full movie, but the girls had watched it over and over again. And um, so I finally sat down with them to start watching it. And within the first five minutes of realizing, oh, you know, this girl doesn't have a gift. I'm like, yes, she does. She's the glue. She's the heartbeat of the family. Yes, she does. And the girls are like, you get it. You, how did you know? I'm like, because I'm her. I don't even know that girl's name, but that is me. That is who I am. And having that gift of being able to love people so well and to be able to do that in business, it's so rare, but it is so fucking special. And I can see it in people. And I've seen it in Uber drivers. I've seen it in bartenders. I've seen it in random people that I'm chatting with. And I get this like lump in my throat and I feel like I want to cry and I feel like a crazy person, but I always have to, I like have to tell them how incredibly successful they're going to be in life and that I I can't explain other than God, where this is coming from, but you have something so, so special. And Dr. Boutros has that, the je ne sais quoi. He, he just has it. Um, he leads with love. And I think that's why his, his work is so fantastic. I think that's why his patients are so happy. And the one thing that I... I I think I said this on the last episode, but 
he he talked to me about his social media and he said he did it for a while but it really took joy out of his life like it it made him less happy he didn't like doing it and I totally get that and I don't think he needs to be doing his own social media I think he needs a representative of him somebody in his office that can Honestly, if I still lived in Houston, I would do this shit for free to follow him around, to record, even if patients didn't want their faces shown, but to show how his consultations are from beginning to end and um, just to kind of peek into his, his world and the way that he treats patients. And because I think so many people any business person and any doctor could learn so much from him and he always has people flying in from other countries that he's teaching his um his practice to and he flies out to other places and and teaches but there's so much power he has so much to give and this is that thing that god or the universe whatever you want to call it has put on my heart and i cannot and i will not drop it and i don't know how to i i feel like i need to come up with a plan to make it easy he needs somebody to be kind of the face of the company somebody his right hand person to like let let his future patients and even his past patients see into the world that he's created and why it's so special why i happily paid fifty thousand dollars on a surgery that i could have gone to mexico um, Tijuana and had a great doctor there do it for $10,000. But I guarantee you that that doctor is not Sean Boutros. It's, it's just not. He is a, there's, he's magical. There's something about him. So I go on Tuesday. So in a couple days, I'm going back to um, Sugarland. Well, I'll stay with my in-laws again and I'm going to get the stitches out. And um, I don't know. I feel like this is a start of a business relationship, but I sound a million percent ridiculous saying this because he has no idea how strongly I feel about this and he might think I'm absolutely insane. But I just have this on my heart that I can't, I can't let this go. Like the world needs to know him the world needs to know him and people who want alternatives to breast implants or who need to get their breast implants out or who have had cancer and who need their breasts rebuilt people need to know dr sean boutros period end of story so maybe i'll be brave enough if anything to ask him to sit down with me and do a podcast and just talk with me because like I said we speak the same language he's obviously much more skilled at many more things and much smarter than I am but the way that he leads with love and honesty and um, he treats every patient as if 
it were his daughter, his his sister, his mother, his cousin, his best friend. There's just there's just magic there. Okay. So, let's get back into the the morning of. So he comes checks me out. Um so after he comes back in, I guess whenever he's about to scrub in for his next patient at like 7 in the morning to check on me and you know, I tell him I'm doing good. And right after he leaves, the two nurses who were the sweetest, most gentle, most attentive um, women, I can't remember their names because I was high, but it, they were just, they treated me with so much love. It makes me want to cry. It, it's so, I I almost feel undeserving, you know, like, how do they have it in them to treat each person like family, you know, they were so gentle and so patient with me. But so here I am laying in that hospital bed. And I, they're like, okay, we need to get you to this recliner chair. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to stop this and see if I can get Roman to shut up. I'll be back. Okay, problem solved. Sorry about that. So they're telling me that I need to move over to this recliner. And the thought of moving any part of my body more than half an inch feels like climbing Mount Everest. And so they helped me take it very, very, very slow to sit up and kind of swing my legs around to the floor. And at this time, the IV was still in my foot, which made it really hard to walk because it, it was just really uncomfortable. Something else that was just super uncomfortable. And um, I don't know how many times I said fuck and I had to stop and it hurt so bad that I couldn't even cry. And they told me, they're like, this first time um, moving and getting up is going to be the worst. After this, it will get better. Oh, gosh. So they were so sweet. Again, so patient, so loving. I made it and I sat down in, in the chair and... I was still in a tremendous amount of pain, but kind of being in that sat up position did feel, uh, it felt good-ish. And so I stayed there and I'm trying to think if they were doing other tests or what they were doing, but I still had to have that stupid arm, arm cuff thing back on, but it was getting close. That was like at five something in the morning and so then I had to mentally prepare myself for my ride to the recovery house was coming at 7.30. So I'm like, okay, I've got to do this again in two hours. And not only do I have to get out of this chair into a wheelchair, but then I have to get from the wheelchair into the car. And I was so overwhelmed that I fell asleep. And so I think Dr. Boutros came in to check on me one more time and they had called um, Danny, my um, uh, caretaker from Indigo Dreams Recovery. 
Okay, so Indigo Dreams is this recovery house in Houston. It's in the Bel Air area in a really cute, beautiful neighborhood. It's it's in one of those neighborhoods where all of the little old houses are being torn down and the, you know, McMansions that are beautiful. The little stucco McMansions are being built up. But this house is still one of those original, smaller houses. And... um at that time, I was only I was the only person scheduled to be in the house. I think they're able they they can accommodate three um, guests or three patients at a time. They have three separate rooms, and Danny, from the second I started talking to her, I don't know how to how to describe it. It was like talking to an aunt, you know, like your cool favorite aunt, and. I am myself, whether I'm talking to a doctor, a lawyer, a banker, a child, my cat, um, I'm, I, I, there's, there's no real formality with me. And so uh, we had had really good conversations leading up to um, the surgery. Of course, it was the day before. So let's be serious leading up to the surgery. But she asked me, she's like, I'm going grocery shopping for you today. Will you please tell me what you want? If you're allergic to anything, what your favorite foods are. So I sent her a few things and I knew that my appetite wasn't going to be very high. But like I looked on their Instagram and I had seen these delicious meals that they had prepared so I was just really excited but I told her that honestly I'm just so thankful to be going somewhere where people know what they're doing and they can take care of me I would happily drink protein shakes for five days and be the most thankful person in the entire world um so it's about 7.30, between 7.30 and 8, and, um, oh god, one of my kids, hold on. Hi, are you crying? No. Come here, Stella, I'm doing a podcast. Say hi. Hey! I'm telling them about my surgery ah. and recovery. Okay. How, was the, how was the Polaris ride? Amazing. Yeah? I love you. I love you. My butt is so sweaty. Your butt is sweating. Are you going to go shower? Okay, well, I love you. Can I finish this? Yes. I want your dinner. Yes. Can I watch a movie with you and your bed cats? Um, baby, it's already 9 o'clock. Tomorrow, can we watch a movie together? Sure. We'll watch a scary, we'll watch a Stephen King movie together. Just you and me. During the day. Listen, after you come back from the lake, you're going to be all, like, suntanned and you'll shower listen you'll shower we'll put beautiful lotion on you your hair will be light pink we'll use that conditioner and then you'll hop in bed with me and we'll watch the mist or it or something the mist you want to deal okay i love you i scratched this thing with my tickle spot i love you goodbye goodbye good night muffin shut my door please Okay, now let me see. My brain fog is seriously so much better. So even, oh my God, another kid, another kid. Hi, how are you? I love you. I love you. Can you say hi? 
Hi, Daddy. No, that's not Daddy. That's um the world. Hi. Everybody in the whole world is listening. Do uh, you want to tell them your name? No. What's your name? Cool, 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 cool. I love you, Teddy. Did you have fun on the ride? Yeah. Did you see any deer or turkeys or anything? No. Didn't catch any more animals for your little tank? No. No. But who's that? Who's that? Uh-huh. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking. You know, I'm going to put this, it's kind of like on YouTube. I put it on YouTube and people watch it. Like you watch YouTube videos, people listen to me. So that's why I want you to say hi and introduce yourself. You want to say your name? What's your name? My name is Teddy. Move your hand. Your name is Teddy. Teddy what? What's your middle name? No. Hoxie Rose. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Are you so tired? Yeah. You ready to go to bed? I love you. See ya. Shut my door, please. Okay, and now the one light that I had on is turned off. Okay, I don't think Tori will come in here, so we should be good. Um, but Danny shows up right on time to pick me up, and um, she walks in, and she looks exactly like her voice exactly like I imagined and as soon as I saw her I said hi new best friend and she said hi and um they helped me get into the wheelchair and they had pulled the catheter out at the same time well right before they moved me from the bed to the recliner chair they removed the catheter and you're supposed to be able to pee on your own after eight before eight hours and if not then you have to call the hospital and lord knows what you have to do but I already had to pee because I had been taking sips of water and I had had so much fluid from IVs um and so I they wheeled me to the bathroom and I hobbled over and I could not pee I sat there for like five ten minutes there were two nurses in there with me and they turned the water on they turned away from me I'm like no you guys talk Because if you talk, it makes me not concentrate on peeing. Because you know sometimes if you concentrate too much on going pee, that you just can't pee. So anyway, I couldn't do it. And so Danny um, pulls the car around and um, I get in. And it's um, a beautiful, a Volkswagen like small SUV. I'm not sure what it is, but it was gorgeous, gorgeous on the inside, beautifully clean, freshly washed. Um, but I kind of had to step up to get in there and that was a bitch, but I did it. And then, um, we got to the recovery house. And so Danny lives there and there's, uh, like upstairs where, she lives and then there's another woman named Brenda but she's one of those kind of older women that you just call Miss Brenda because that is she's just Miss Brenda 
and again an aunt or like an aunt Brenda but a little bit older of a like a loving she has an accent I'm not sure if it's a Spanish accent I don't know what it was um but Brenda was there too and so they live upstairs at least I know Danny does I don't know if Brenda lives on premises or not um but they brought me to my room and got me settled in they brought me a banana and an apple and ice water and um put me in uh one of those reclining chairs but one of the ones like for old people that stands all the way up and right after I sat down I'm like okay I have to pee like I really want to try to pee again and so I used the walker Um, to kind of hobble over to the bathroom and it didn't work the first time so I waited a little bit longer and then I went back again and I finally peed so I was so thankful that you know that hurdle was over because it's I, I it's like your bladder goes to sleep after being under anesthesia and it's the muscles kind of have to wake back up and um So I get settled in to my room. I get, you know, nice cozy blankets, pillows. They give me the remote for the TV. She gave me a big bowl to put all of my medications in and pulled out all of my paperwork with my directions for medications. And honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't know if like it was going to be so full service that she takes care of all my medicine. She sets the timer. She does everything, but I did it. And she told me an app like pill reminder or something like that. But that at the time that seemed like way too much work. And it turns out there were a bunch of pills that I had to take in the morning, like a bunch of vitamins, blood thinners, just a bunch of stuff in the morning and then throughout the day really the only things I was alternating between um, heavy like high dose um, Advil and Tylenol and Valium and um, hydrocodone and so I would just put timers on my phone and so every three hours I was waking up to take one of those things and um i i realized like with that chair i asked her like am i allowed to go to the bathroom by myself and she's like well a lot of people use the walker and a lot of people need assistance you know the first day or two um and i i respect that and I told her, you know, my mom actually ended up dying. She had health issues anyway, but she was in the hospital and she had had a blood transfusion and was was doing better and was about to go home. And looking back on it, I don't know if she was just being stubborn and thought she could get up and walk to go to the bathroom by herself or if maybe she had pushed the call button many times and nobody came. So she got up, but she ended up falling and hitting her head and had an internal brain bleed and went into a coma. And they just had to wait for her to die because there was nothing they could do. It was 
horrific. So I, I did take it very seriously. And, and Danny gave me the warning signs like, you know, if you feel like you're going to faint, you're going to get a hot flash, you're going to feel a little bit nauseous. She's like, if you feel like that at all, you need to grab onto something or do your best to sit down on the floor if I'm not around. So I said, okay. But I decided to try to go to the bathroom by myself for you know the third time so the first couple times she helped me but then after that I didn't use the walker and I didn't get her help I just would hobble over to the bathroom and then hobble back to my room and I did need help getting the pillow um, because you you sit with a pillow tucked under your knees kind of so it helps take the pressure off the incision on your stomach Um, And so I needed help getting adjusted back in, but I was peeing like every hour. So it's important after the surgery, like you need to be super rested and not do a lot. But at the same time, I think they want you like every hour to be up and moving around for like 10 minutes. And so I got my movement just peeing a million times. Um that first day I feel like I didn't really eat anything um I just wasn't hungry I drank a protein shake and ate some fruit and then I can't remember it's all a little foggy because of how much medication I was on um but Danny made me a beautiful breakfast and a a divine cup of coffee because I kept getting these horrible headaches and I don't know if it's if it was because of how I was laying or, you know, if I definitely, I know I wasn't eating enough, but I wasn't hungry or Danny's like, it could be, you know, um, caffeine withdrawal. So she made me a gorgeous cup of coffee and I didn't even really turn on the TV. I was listening to podcasts on my phone and watching shows on my phone and just drifting in and out of sleep the whole time and um I forget which day it was it was the day before I was leaving she made me a beautiful breakfast and then she made me a steak taco which she's like you're not even letting me do it right because if you don't know this about me by now you should that I don't like vegetables on anything except for salad and even in my salads like I don't like tomatoes I don't like mushrooms I don't like I'm just a little bitch I I eat like a five-year-old in a lot of ways so but that taco was so good and then for dinner um one night I had salmon it was the best salmon I've had in my entire life salmon and rice and a little side salad it was it was just so fantastic so I kind of took care of myself my responsibilities were taking care of making sure I was getting my medicine on time and I'm sure if I was struggling with it I could have asked for help but I prefer to be as independent as I can. It's just in my nature. Um, And yeah, okay, so Danny would come in every now and then and just sit down and talk with me. And of course, me being the curious person, I got to know her history and she started in this industry in um, Miami 
taking care of, I mean, imagine how many recovery houses and um, re- recovery services there are in Miami where people are paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And so she had a friend in Houston and ended up moving to Houston and, and they decided to um, start this business together and things have been really successful for them. And I mean, for the price of a hotel for $350 to have all of your your meals cooked for you and for them to have all of the equipment and whatever gauze or like all of the things that you would never have just sitting at home when you're recovering, they have that there. And it's somebody, not your stupid husband or your stupid mom. And I'm saying this in a loving way, you know what I mean? But it it was just a fantastic experience. And I got to meet Danny's uh, daughter, Asia. She walked in the door and I swear to God, she looked like she walked straight out of the TV or off of TikTok. She was the most beautiful creature I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, She's, I think... Danny's Creole and I think Asia's half black I think her dad's black but she was gorgeous like I can't even she has a music career that she is working on getting going she has a gorgeous voice but um Asia sat down and talked with us and you know when you see somebody that is so strikingly beautiful it's almost surprising when they're just as beautiful on the inside. And that's exactly, I mean, it, it was amazing. She was so beautiful. She has such a great relationship with her mom. And they just brightened my day and made me forget about my pain. And it was great. So I, I was scheduled to stay at Indigo Dreams through so I got there on Thursday and I was scheduled to leave on Sunday but they were able to accommodate me to stay through to Monday if I wanted but I think we all agreed that I was doing so great and so independent that I would be fine to go home on Sunday and so uh, that's what we planned for. And so um, on Sunday, oh, well, I got to tell you, I got flowers delivered from my Grigio girls. My best friend sent me gorgeous flowers and Dr. Boutros sent me gorgeous flowers. And I just felt, I don't know, I felt so loved. Again, my, it's, I have such a weird juxtaposition with my love language being acts of service Um, but I'm very, uh, hesitant on receiving love. I think it's like childhood trauma from feeling like a burden to people. And so when I find myself in that comfortable position where, well, I love paying for people to take care of me. Sometimes even that's hard. Sometimes I still feel guilty with that, but it was just so nice to not feel like I was burdening anyone and to feel loved and taken care of at a price that, I mean, 
most, I won't say anybody can afford, but if you can afford these types of surgeries, this, this is the place to go. Um, it's not a five-star hotel penthouse, but you don't need that. Who cares? I, I felt like I was staying with my two beautiful, favorite, funny aunts who knew exactly what I needed, when I needed to get up and walk around, when I needed to sit down, when I needed to eat. They made me eat. Um, it, was, it was just perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And so on Sunday, um, Stephen comes and picks me up and um, we get to his parents' house. And Stephen had been staying with them this whole time from my surgery all the way through the time that I was at the recovery house, which was like, I think, a five-day span. And the yeah, the girls and Stephen had been there. And so I get there and his parents have two recliners, two leather recliners in the living room. And I just thought, okay, well, this will be the easiest for me. And so we get set up there. I got the pillow under my knees, the pillow over my head, a blanket, got my ice water next to me. But then it's like a hurricane of screaming children around me. And I'm like, oh, hell no. I, there's no freaking way I can do this. And so I'm like, you know what? I think I need to move in to my room, our room. So there's a room that Steven and I always stay in whenever we go there. And so they got me all set up in that room. And I think a couple of times in the beginning, the well, the first night I had to call Steven to help me sit up to get out of bed to go to the bathroom, which I hated doing because I feel bad waking him up, but I, th- I had no choice. But then after that, I kind of figured a way to like night two at his parents' house, which is day six, seven after surgery. I, um, or I don't know, I can't keep track, but I figured out a way to kind of roll and push myself up. And I was realistically, I was probably doing too much, but it's what I wanted to do and how I wanted to handle things. And so I did. And I knew this kind of this certain move or maneuver from C-sections because you have to sit up a certain way um, so that you're not using your core muscles. It's, it's definitely harder when you can't use your core muscles or your pec muscles, which are connected to your arms. And, but I figured it out. So I was able to get up and down and go to the bathroom and continue to take my pills on schedule. I didn't really come out of the room. I had them bring me food like protein shakes. I did eat McDonald's. Um, I had chicken nuggets and fries and buffalo sauce and a Diet Coke. And my stomach did hurt afterwards, but it was glorious. It was an absolutely glorious high sodium meal that I shouldn't have had, but it was amazing. And um, so... I I would come out and say hi to everybody but and sit on the couch for a little bit, but I just didn't have much in me. And then, hold on, let me take a drink of water. Sorry, y'all. Hear my metal straw. And so, I don't, I like I said, all time is blurring together, but we decided... 
Um, it was, we, we wanted to go back to, oh, okay, so I, Stephen picked me up on Sunday, then on Monday, I had my first post-op appointment where they looked at everything, it was kind of, it was a quick process, um, the nurse kind of, she didn't open any of my garment to look at my stomach, no, I guess she did. She did a little. And I looked down and I saw that, like, damn, my belly button's cute. Thank God. And I think the reason my belly button is so cute is because I had such a deep, deep belly button before that it's not like... I think it's harder when you have a shallow belly button to begin with than after surgery. You're going to kind of end up looking like... um a little bit more of an any Audi. I definitely don't have that situation. I have like a very natural looking belly button. So just kind of looking down and seeing how flat my stomach was, was so fucking weird. And seeing that my stretch marks now are so low. Um, it was just really cool. So then Dr. Boutros came in and did the same thing. Like he stuck the Doppler in the two holes that he had left on the side. And it was the same process where it's like fingers crossed, waiting to hear that little baby's heartbeat. And both sides worked out well. And so um, they said, you know what, let's keep the drains in for one more day and then uh, come back the next day and we'll get the drains out. And so... The next day, I was feeling really bad, worse than I felt the day before, and um, they removed the drains, and I had seen things on YouTube and TikToks and stuff about how weird it is, because the drains are pretty long, like 10 inches, you know, um, that's inside you that they're pulling out, but I didn't feel it at all Uh, on my stomach or each breast. I didn't feel it at all. And they wrapped, they wrapped me back up and kind of gave me instructions on, you know, showering and how to use the lipo foam. And I was scheduled to come back um, in a week for to get my stitches out. And they said I could take the tape off of um, where the incisions are, <clears throat> like around my boobs and my uh, tummy tuck. But I haven't done that. I I just do not want to mess with that. I want them to worry about that. And full disclosure, I've only showered twice since I've had my surgery. Because it's so much freaking work. And oh, yeah. But I am washing like this is t- well let's be honest, this whole podcast is TMI, but one of my boobs is still kind of, um, I'm going to use a word that I hate, but oozing just a little bit, I guess, from where the drain was. And so I'm using the hip, cleanse to cleanse that every day and then just keep fresh gauze or a maxi pad, which is what they use under it. Um, and Yeah, and so after we got the drains out, went back home, and we were thinking about going, coming back home to Wimberley that day, but I was just so, I was in not good shape, so there was no way, Um, and so the next morning, we woke up and, you know, had some coffee and then decided, sorry, 
excuse me to head home and I will say it was the fastest it's it's like two two and a half two hours 45 minutes to get from Stephen's parents house or from Sugarland to Wimberley and I I felt like I stayed awake maybe a quarter of the time and then passed out the rest of the time but it flew by and none of the bumps or you know nothing it wasn't painful um driving back getting here and then I got myself um positioned on the couch in the living room and the we everything in our house is cozy I want everything every piece of furniture I want people to sink into we keep the temperature super low so I want you ever want everybody to have heavy blankets and everything is just deep and cozy here and so it was very comfortable on the couch but getting up was difficult it's difficult for just 40 year olds to get off this deep couch and so again, for the first night here, I had to ask Stephen, like I had to wake him up to help me pee a couple times throughout the night. But then on the next night, I um, figured out how to do the kind of tuck and roll and push myself off. And yeah, I was able to do that by myself. And um, then the day after that, Stephen's parents came here um, to join us kind of for Father's Day weekend. And they haven't been out since we have completed, like since we have moved in a few weeks ago, they haven't been out yet. Um, and so they came out and it was the same type of thing. I'm like, well, should I stay in the living room? Or, you know, as I'm watching Vanderpump marathons or should I go to our room? And so I decided to take my little uh, medical junk to my room and it's actually been so comfortable it's much easier for me to get up from the bed and I'm close to a bathroom and me and the cats just snuggle up and hang out and the past few days it's like I have waves or had been having waves of a lot of pain and people are asking like what hurts worse is it your boobs is it your stomach I will say the tummy tuck scar or not scar the the tummy tuck incision I don't really feel that that doesn't really hurt at all I'm extremely sore from the lipo on my back and my thighs which I'm not used to because when I got, or maybe the skin tightening made the soreness. I'm not really sure, but I didn't experience that the last time that I got lipo and skin tightening. Like I felt like I didn't even feel that at all, but those parts of me are really sore and my boobs hurt a lot, but I also got the lipo on my stomach. So that's sore too, but it's not like you think when you're getting this huge incision across your stomach that it's going to be like awful. Um, but basically from my knees to my neck just was sore and hurting. And then every now and then, well, like a couple times a day, I would get these deep headaches that wouldn't go away. But I've been super good. Um, about taking all of the medication that I'm supposed to when I'm supposed to take it and um, I'm weaning myself off of the harder pain pills 
So this morning at five in the morning, I took a, a hydrocodone. And then after my nap today, I was in a whole lot of pain, but I wanted to go out. You know, it's Father's Day. Stephen and his dad had smoked some turkeys and we were going to have a dinner. So I knew I needed to get it together. So I took another hydrocodone and was able to enjoy dinner with them. And I'm not going to take anything else. I'll just take melatonin or Tylenol PM um, to go to sleep tonight. And... I don't know. No, obviously I haven't told you this yet, but <sighs> pooping after surgery. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, that's the thing about being under anesthesia and then being on those pain pills. It creates literal boulders in your stomach that you have to pass. And I've been taking starting days before surgery because I'm not a regular kind of gal anyway, which is very unfortunate. I'm kind of like a twice a week pooper, which is, I mean, it's horrifying and sad and I should do something about it, but it's just kind of what I've gotten used to. So I started taking um, stool softeners before um, surgery just to kind of start to prepare myself but that first poop was like birthing a child with no epidural it's I'm not even gonna I I I won't even get as graphic as I need to but it was horrific horrific and I had two poops like that before now I'm pooping like regular again so that's just one other little hurdle that you have to pass through but thinking that I'm only 10 days post-op and feeling really good I still can't reach up high so like as I'm picking up the house unloading the dishwasher and stuff is hard because I can't reach everything in the cabinet and I'm trying to do my best to respect this recovery process more than I've respected any other recovery process. This is the most expensive surgery that I've ever had and I have absolutely no reason to um, not be resting the way that I should. Steven has done such a fantastic job, like taking care of the girls and not, not making me feel like he's resenting me because I'm just laying around all day. So that's been really nice. But I do have to say that I think a recovery house, Indigo Dreams, Indigo Dreams, Indigo Dreams nail that into your brain um because steven's making sure to cook the girls you know all their meals and make sure they have you know he's cooking bacon and and eggs for them he doesn't ask me if i want bacon and eggs he doesn't bring that to me i have to ask him will you please refill my water can you bring me a go macro bar can you you know and he he will do it willingly and happily But again, his love language is an acts of service. That's not the language he naturally speaks. And so I don't hold it against him at all. But I I am just so happy with the way that we planned everything out. And I highly recommend, 
you know, if you're saving up for surgeries like this, just save up, you know, an extra $1,500, $2,000 maybe just to have, even if you want to have a long recovery stay and just have somebody take care of you where there's no kids screaming around you and where you don't have to ask your husband to bring you a piece of toast because he's so busy worrying about the kids that he's not even thinking about it. And it's been nice with his parents here um, the past couple of days because they've helped take pressure off of Stephen with the kids kind of driving him crazy. And um, yeah, it's just been really nice. I feel so, so good. I feel like I have a future again. Like after I came out of my depression about a year ago, um, and felt so much more like myself after I started the low dose naltrexone and, um, it just, I kind of started feeling and, and getting back on anxiety and depression medication. I felt like myself again and everybody, our whole family was happier because I was happy. And like, I was in a three year deep, dark place and I wanted to be alone a lot. And I didn't, you know, I wanted to feel my feelings and process my feelings and I wanted to do it alone. And so I pushed a lot of friends away. I pushed a lot of family away. It's just, you know, so coming out of that was so amazing. But now I swear to you, having these implants out, I feel like I don't want to be retired at 38 years old. Like I want to have a whole new life, a whole new career. And I feel like I'm going to have the energy for it now. You know, like I just feel so happy and so incredibly thankful. And this process has just gone beautifully. And I will say that not one time, no matter how much pain I was in, not one time did I regret, like, why did I do this? What have I done? Because I think that's kind of a natural reaction when people are a couple days out and in tremendous amounts of pain. But I, that, I guess the pain, either my pain tolerance is um, high or I'm, I'm so shallow that I didn't care that I just thought that this was worth it. But I... I think this, like every other person who's ever gotten their implants out has said, you know, I think this is one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I felt it immediately. Steven's mom, when we were sitting outside today, was telling me, like, your skin looks so clear and you can tell you've lost weight, like, not just like lipo weight, like, you know, your, your inflammation is going down. I'm like, I know I'm feeling, and I look disgusting right now, like, but like cute, disgusting because I look healthy, disgusting. I need a haircut again. I, um, did a Sally's pickup cause that's where I buy all my stuff from. And I was running low on everything. And so, um, I'm going to have Steven. Steven's going to have to cut my hair and have to slap the bleach and toner on for me, but it's super easy to do, but I'm going to make him do that. And then um, 
I told, I had told Stella since the middle of, of the school year last year that during the summer she could have pink hair. And so, um, she's naturally so blonde that I just bought kind of like one of those conditioners that you leave in for a while. And so she'll have pale pink hair, or if we do it a few times, it'll probably, probably get to a darker pink. And, um, I did some highlights on Tori earlier this year and she wants you know some money pieces some brighter pieces around the front so I'm going to do that for her and then um I bought all of these crystals um like small tumbled crystals pieces of crystals and I have artwork that I want to make so I'll talk to you about that and then keep following me on Instagram and I'll show you um what I want to do. I can't wait to start working out again and, you know, walking and doing yoga. And I don't know. I feel like I've been given a completely new life and a fucking hot body at that, which is just a bonus. That is just a bonus. When I look at myself, you know, naked as I'm showering, I'm like, I can't, I, this, I, how is this my body? Like it's, it's insane. He did such a good job. So life is just really good right now. So I think I, unless you have questions or if there's anything that I've skipped or left out, um, just let me know and I'll answer those. Um, and then my next podcast, I may do one a little bit lighter Um Or I may go into kind of the revelation. I kind of found myself last summer. I discovered myself being away from the the bubble of the beautiful bubble of Sugarland that I was in and being away from the friends that I love so much, but that are such big influences on my life. I kind of had time and space to, to think and allow myself to feel and think on my own without um, without looking at the people that I love and trying to be like them. You know, I, I'm not a follower by any means, but I think there's something to be said when you're so used to being in a certain environment and things are normal and then you step out of that and you're able to see things that you've never seen before and you allow yourself to question things and allow yourself to just feel and not not with any judgment um and last summer was just a really beautiful summer for me and I and I haven't talked to you about it yet and so that's going to be a deeper podcast so I'm I'm not sure if that'll be the next episode or if I'll try to splash in um, something fun between there. But I think that's it for tonight. I love you with all of my heart. I, I truly do. This is the most like, it sounds silly, but I feel my connection with you right now. To me, it is actually tangible in my heart. I feel it. And I'm saying you because
because it's not it's not a y'all I'm not talking into the the into space I feel like I'm speaking to someone that I love and someone that loves me and someone that gives me space to be myself and um without judgment because you can't talk back (laughs) well I mean you can leave comments but you can't talk back you can't interrupt me but I truly do feel this this tangible connection between us and I'm so thankful for you I'm so thankful for this space uh, that you've given me and that that you've found this time with me you know that I'm worthy of your time and I I can't tell you how much it means to me and you know the the only thing I want to do in this world, I want to love people really, really, really well. I want to help people open their minds and their hearts. And when I die, I want to have thousands of people at my funeral because I want to, I want to have touched that many people's lives with whatever it is that I'm meant to be doing. And right now, right at this moment, it's, it's talking to you. So I love you and I truly, truly mean that. I love you so much and I hope that you feel less alone today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this because you're not alone. I'm, I, I'm right there with you. My heart is literally connected to you. So I love you and um, I would say we'll talk tomorrow or in a couple days, but I'm a flaky ass bitch, so... Uh, It might be tomorrow. It might be a couple days from now, but we'll talk soon. Um, I have an email, a new email. It's uh, ladyheatherpod at yahoo.com. So if you want to write me an email and just share any stories with me or if you have any questions or topics that you want me to talk about, please reach out to me. It's in uh, the link in my bio on my Instagram at Heather Suchma. So, okay, for real, we're ending this now. I love you to the moon and back.